Welcome to the Michigan Youth Sports Podcast. I'm David Fedor. I'm a husband and a father of five kids. I also run a travel baseball organization, and I'm the head coach of a JV high school baseball team in Michigan. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss the ecosystem of youth sports. Please feel free to contact us with any topics you would like to see discussed. Lastly, please subscribe and tell your friends about our podcast. This podcast episode is with Coach Rick Rackner. He's the head coach of the Commerce Cannons 13U team for the 2020 season and has coached girls travel softball for a number of years. This unique perspective of coaching both of these sports is explored as well as many other topics. This will be Rick's fourth year as head coach in the Cannons organization. Rick maintains a balanced approach of having fun yet remaining competitive. Rick's focus, like all the Cannon coaches, on the fundamentals. In 2018, Rick's team went to the Kentucky for the Youth Baseball Nationals. 2019, they went to the final 16 at Cooperstown Dreams Park. And in 2020, they have yet another out-of-state tournament planned. You'll see Rick's personality on full display in this podcast. Enjoy. I think we do it with heart, you know, and, and passion, and we make them better people outside of the sport. You know, and if we do that, then I think we've we've hit some home runs here. So, so what what about you? You played in college. What, what was your so go, take me through like your when you were a kid? Did you play multiple sports? And then I know you played baseball. And I think you went, made all the way up into college. So just take me through that kind of that timeline or in that journey. Yeah, I was baseball diehard growing up. So when I was now, you know, where, now where did you grow up? Where, Farmington Hills, okay. right down the road here in Michigan. So, you know, I, I grew up there. Um, baseball was a sport I loved right out of the gate. Um, I did play basketball, flag football. I'd never played tackle football and some other odd and, odds and ends. But baseball was my go-to sport. So you know, I was probably a two-sport athlete, but really a one-sport athlete was baseball. I was really good at basketball. I, I was decent, but I wasn't like a star walking out on the court. So I... And pretty early on, and I was a small kid growing up too. So baseball, you know, just seemed to be a better fit for me with based on my size at the time. And um, yeah, so I, were you like in the local rec league? Yeah, was- we started with you know it was the North Farmington West Bloomfield League. You know, we started out there, played out there for years. You know, I mean, it's crazy to think about. It. I mean, our seasons were sixteen or eighteen games. And every one of those games was a big deal. You know, now these kids are playing 40, 50, 60 games a summer at those ages, you know. And then we got into a travel ball. My dad coached me all the way through uh, post-college. You did play travel ball? Yeah, play travel ball. When did, when did you start that? I, I think we started it when we moved away to Europe when we were when I was 10, 11, and 12. So when we came back, I was about 13 years old, maybe 14 when where, we started where, travel. We're in Europe. Uh, over in Germany, actually, for uh, work. For- yeah, my dad was with General Motors, so he, um, he he got he got moved over. We got moved over there with the transfer through General Motors. He worked for Opel, which is one of the car companies over there, and he was heading up Opel over there at the time. And uh, um, when we got there, the one worry was, well, we got a void now for two years without baseball. And I was going to a Frankfurt International School, and then my dad right away, literally the day we landed, started making phone calls to see if there was any baseball in the area found out that the army bases over there had a baseball league. So each of the army bases had different programs. So, you know, this army base in Frankfurt versus this one, I don't remember all the locations, but they all had all the, you know, the members of the, you know, the military over there, their kids would play. So was it kind of like uh, army Navy football? Was it like that where all the bases were, were, were they, were they rallying behind the teams? Yeah. 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 I mean, was it like that? Yeah, probably. 
I mean, you know, I was 11, 12, 13. So I just, I just remember being really cool that we were playing against, you know, other American kids who grew up playing baseball. You know, they were, they were like me, they talked like me, you know, you know, I didn't have to learn German or anything. Right. I struggled with that terribly. Uh, I could never pick it up. I was a terrible German student. You know, I know a few bad words probably still to this day. And, and then, so my dad went to Frankfurt International School and said, Hey, I, you guys do baseball. I said, no, we don't. We don't have anyone to coach. He goes, well, what if I coach it? And so we put together an international team. We had a kid from uh, Argentina. We had a kid from Japan, a couple Americans. Uh, but they were all on, that, on this base. But they were all, they were all, we were all part of, so we were the only non- army uh, or, or military team. So, you know, we had all these military based teams and then we had this team from Frankfurt International School, which was coached oh, okay, by my okay. dad. Gotcha. So they allowed us to join the league and then we did the military well. league. Yeah, the oh, military okay, league. Okay. So it was awesome. And I don't even I can't remember the name of the league or anything, but I can still picture the fields we practice on. I can still picture the teams we played against, you know, very fresh in my mind, some of the games we played. So now going back to him, what was your dad's background in baseball? I mean, did he none football? He was None. a football guy growing up. So he just did it because he loved baseball. Yeah, I love baseball. He got involved early on. And then uh, I have a plaque at his house. And I, I I wish I could remember what the numbers were. But we went back through one year for Christmas years ago. I went back through all the records and books and, and gave him like this lifetime achievement type trophy or whatever with all of our records and championships on it. And I mean, he coached us in like 700 games or something like that over all those years. So it was awesome. You know, and then my group of buddies who I grew up with and some of them I'm still tight with, you know, we played from the time we were seven, eight years old, except for the few years I was gone all the way through post-college, basically. And, and, you know, those are memories you'll have forever. And I think that's why I love coaching my own kids teams right now, because I see I, I know what that's like. I remember those great times. I still, you know, we still talk about those great times when I see those guys every now and then. And I just see this bond and these friendships. I think, you know, these kids, whether it's my kid or anyone else on the team, they're going to have for the rest of their lives. So I think that's what's special about it. So that's a, that's a crazy story about the military base and yeah, and, and getting that. Together. So cool. Yeah. And my dad, if you, if you would tell you, I mean, it was literally the day we landed, he started making that, those phone calls, trying to figure out, all right, how do we, how do we keep baseball going? And I remember when we were over there, I played a little basketball too and stuff, you know, just through some sort of parks and rec type league they had over there. So, I think that was through the military base too, actually, now that I think about it, but it was neat. In terms of travel sports, you know, everyone's in travel anymore in this day and age. When when I was growing up, especially when we got to about 13, 14, started travel, I was the only kid in the household playing travel sports. And we were only playing one travel sport, which is baseball. So think about the simplicity of that in this day and age where we all have two or three kids playing two or three travel sports. Right. It's it's, you know, we're everywhere at all times. And what was neat about it, it was really the family aspect of it. My dad was coaching. My mom was, I think, at every game I ever played. And my sister became the scorekeeper. So she had an integral role and she she would do she would do the books old fashioned, you know, pen to paper do the stats every night for my dad. You know, there's no computer so, printout sheets or anything so like this. No so, game changer. No game changer. So, so yeah. So did she, um, uh, did she, uh, was she kind of at first coerced into that and then learned to like it? Or I, I, or I don't think she was coerced. I think she loved it. She's a numbers person, but I think in later years and, and uh, she probably kill me for saying this, but 
there's no question there's probably always a boy or two on the team that she liked as well. <laughs> so as I remember a few times my dad not being thrilled with some of those, you know, moments where he was realizing, oh boy, Jen, Jen may, may be more interested than, you know, than scorekeeping at right. these games or whatever. I better go so, back and recheck those yeah, stats for exactly, that game. Yeah, exactly. I saw a lot of staring in the stands <laughs> that so, game. Yeah. There's, I, there's a couple of kids, I won't mention, there's a couple, a couple of my teammates that I know for sure that there was, there was interest in so now, probably both ways to be honest with you. But. So now go run me through your, your roster of uh, kill, uh, kids and that you have now. Yeah. It's actually my wife's roster. She would say was, I'm probably uh, one of the kids, but uh, you know, obviously married uh, and then three kids. So, uh, you know, we got uh, the daughter who's in high school, does gymnastics and softball. Then Shane, who uh, I coach on this team, who, He's kind of the all-American kid at the moment with the three traditional sports, basketball, football, and baseball. You know, we've talked about hockey and lacrosse and some of these other up-and-trending sports, and he likes the traditional three. So I say, man, you're the all-American kid right now. And So and then, can you – And then little um, Carly, I got to get in there too. So so, uh, so let's stop on – before we go to Carly, let's stop at Shane real quick. So if he came to you and said, I want to play soccer, how would you feel about that? Well, soccer is not a sport. It's an activity. <laughs> That's, that's just the truth of the matter. It's like knitting. You know, I've always said that. A lot of the kids say that around here. I know anyone who loves soccer, you know, they roll their eyes at that. But I, I've actually been up at the school and I've heard kids say that who I, you know, kids I've coached and stuff. I'll, you know, something will come up. They're like, well, that's just an activity. And I'll look over and they'll be laughing at me and laughing with whoever they said it to. No, I, I will say I have I have made a lot of fun of that sport. But I will say um, Shane played it probably about four years ago. Just a little bit of um, in between football and uh, basketball. We had like a month off. So, dear, dear Lord, we have to fill it with something. So he played in a couple of uh, uh, soccer sessions up here, you know, kind of inter introductory to soccer up at the facility up here. And I will say I was pretty impressed. I thought the training, the footwork, the endurance, um, you know, figuring, you know, looking at a field and passing and connecting, you know, passes and things like that. I, I actually, I, I actually have a little bit more of a uh, I'm respect. a little bit more respect for soccer than I did before because I could see, and then and then some of the kids who um, who played soccer are definitely seem like they're a little bit more athletic than some of the other kids because of, of of soccer. I believe the reason I've always knocked soccer a little bit because when you're in baseball season and kids are missing because of soccer practice, yeah. as a coach, Absolutely. it drives you crazy, yeah. and it feels like it's always the soccer kids that mess. But soccer is 12 months a year, it seems like any year and more. So that's that's why I kind of have a love hate for it. So so then going down now, uh, the baby is Carly. Yeah, Carly. So what's she into? She's uh, into gymnastics. Uh, she did basketball for a little while. So I coached her in that. I, she doesn't want to do softball or baseball. She's she's kept uh, she's Heisman Trophy stiffed arm me away from coaching her in those sports. And then uh, the other day she came home with a volleyball flyer and said, hey, I want to do this. So now you're coaching all these teams. I know that uh, you coached, uh, uh, especially softball and baseball, in the same year, a couple yeah. of years. Yep. And, you know, it's, that's a lot. So how does, you know, how does your wife handle all that? And she seems like, from what I gather, she's, uh, you know, supportive of it. Uh, but, um, you know, tell me about what her, what her challenges are. You know, being a wife of a, of a coach that, you know, is, is invested in two of these sports and, and not just uh, passively invest. I mean, you're 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 all in. Yeah. So tell me the, yeah, some, I, of the some of the good and bad from yeah, her perspective. I, I, I mean, when I was coaching both as a head coach, I mean, the benefit of being a head coach, as you know, is you can set the schedule. So you can set the schedule. And, and that's the one advantage I've always had. I can set the schedule around 
you know, the mother-in-law's birthday or sibling's birthday or, you know, gymnastics meet and whatever. And when you coach two teams, that's exactly what you do on the weekends. The boys are playing, the girls are off and vice versa and practices, you know? So I, I think those couple summers, I was probably about a hundred days in a row out on a baseball field, coming right from work, going to either a baseball or softball field, getting home at eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, and, you know, I probably don't know the full, you know, possible strain it puts on, Julie, you know, at home because she, you know, you get to practice and you're so invested and you got your practice plan and all you're thinking about is how you can make these kids better. Right. And you don't realize that someone is getting your kid to practices and jamming sandwiches, peanut butter and jellies down their throats, hopefully. Right. And and picking up the other kid and moving. And so you, you I think you forget a lot of times as a coach. There's this whole other world of stuff going on behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, she's been great with it. She's she's we just about three weeks ago. We've we have Thursday nights free. It's probably the first time we've had any nights free in years. And we're kind of, you know, back to date nights again. And I kind of laughed at her. I said I had to, I had to figure out what I what, what what am I supposed to talk to you about? You know, we've been kind of laughing about that a little bit. But, you know, but now, it's, no, it's, it, it's been fun. You know, it's been but you fun. Used to, you used to have those epic date nights, though, right? Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Years ago, yeah, we used to have so once those a month. getting back in the rotation. I don't know; those were a lot. Those, we we used to be more creative back when we were young. You know, we used to have one night a month. Uh, it was either my turn or her turn, in which uh, you know one of us would surprise the other person. You know, like for instance, one time we went horseback riding. So I found out she had never been on a horse before. So surprise date night, we're going horseback riding. We get there, she has no idea what we're doing, and you know, we did. I think we did that for 127 straight months. What was the what was the uh, the baseball game one? Tell me oh, that. the baseball tell me game that. one was great. Story. So there was uh, there was I don't remember what show was on. William Hung, remember him? Yeah, he yeah. sings the song uh, "She Bangs, She Bangs." Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, terrible singer, but it was kind of like a cult following thing or whatever for about three four months in the United States, and everyone loved this guy. Uh, and, and I don't even know if I don't know if he was I think he was American Idol maybe contestant. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So I thought this guy was so funny because it was so just ridiculous. But I thought it was so funny every time he was on TV. I loved watching him because it was just my kind of humor. And he was he came and he was playing. At, I think it was at the Pontiac Mall, whatever that mall is up there before it closed. And so our, our surprise date night and, and Emily had just been born. So she's in a stroller. I drag him up there. No one knows what we're doing. We walk in and there's this little stage with William hung up there. Twelve Pistons cheerleaders, four thousand elementary age kids and me and Julie with a baby. <laughs> so, so we're up there and I think this is just hilarious. And he sounded just as bad in person as he did on TV. And we're walking out and she goes, I vetoed this date night. I said, you can't veto a date night. That's not part of the rules. You know, you can't, I veto it, veto it. And she's all the way home. I'm vetoing this night. So a day goes by and there's a couple of weeks left in the month. So I'm like, I'm going to fix her clock because I saw uh, central Michigan where I went had an auction they had Central Michigan night at Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park at the time where you could auction and win a bid to throw out the first pitch. So I'm like, I'm going to win this no matter how much it gets. So I win it. The first pitch, we drive down to Tiger State or Comerica Park. It'll always be Tiger Stadium, I guess, to me. We drive down there. She doesn't know what we're doing. And we get there. And she's like, OK, we're going to Tiger game. And she's kind of thinking it's got to be more than just a tire games. We've been at other tire games before, you know, like it wasn't special. You know, we've, we've been to other ones before. And then she gets in there and we're sitting in this real kind of this area with some officials walking around and stuff. And she's kind of starting to think about it. She's like, oh, my God, I'm either singing the national anthem or throwing <laughs> out the first pitch 
I, and all I said was, yep. And she goes, it better be the first pitch. Then it was. And then they came and got her. They went down the field. And we have a sweet picture in our office at home of her throwing out the first pitch at Comerica Park. She has a uh, uh, Central Michigan University jersey, baseball jersey on. And then uh, in the background on the big jumbotron is her name in the background and stuff. So, so that was cool. So I know we skipped around. So you you played you played baseball. You played in high school. Yes. Yes. So you played at which high school? North Farmington. Then, uh, so what were you playing there? What were you position wise? Pitcher was my primary thing. Okay. I was there was probably three, maybe four of us, uh, and, and I was one of our. I was one of those just regular guys in the rotation. So I pitched, and when I wasn't pitching, I usually played center field. So every now and second base, but pitch, pitching was my thing. I mean, it was it was it was becoming evident to me about my junior year that baseball uh where i think i had the most value to a team was definitely on the mound you know and then and then once you start going down that track and start putting more time in that the hitting starts suffering and you know before you know it all you're doing is pitching and then you know once you get to college you know if you're pitching for the most part you hardly ever see a bat so and that's kind of what happened and i so if you- i could go back in time i would love to be able to throw one more game my arm doesn't have it anymore but i would love to go back and throw because that was one of my favorite spots in the world to be is on the mound, you know, on game day. So, but those days are long gone now. So, so you went to central now, did you get recruited? Did you get a scholarship? Nope. Just walked on. Um, I went to now, why'd you pick there? Well, all places. I had gone around to some college. I went to like Aquinas, Eastern Michigan. I actually went to UNLV. Um, and visited there. Probably lucky I didn't go there. It was maturity wise. Even to this day, I wouldn't have been able to handle myself out there. So, um, I, as a matter of fact, at the time, my counselor in high school said UNLV, and he kind of had. He said, "What does that stand for again?" And, you know, the Running Rebels mm-hmm. back, you know, in the late '80s were you know a stud basketball team. Right. He's like, no one has ever applied from North Farmington to UNLV. <laughs> so well, I'm gonna be the first. And we had been out there a year before. And my dad took me to a basketball game, so I fell in love with the place, of course, and all the lights. But you know, but then when I found out was Central or uh, Central Michigan University they had a JV team at the time, so walking on there was much easier. Um, it wasn't like, you know, they only had a few spots for walk-ons and I don't remember what the rules were anymore, but they had a whole JV program and stuff up there. So you could basically roll up there, you know, sign up and start playing. And then the coaches would work with you and then kids would move, move, move through the system that way. So, so it was great. You know, it was central was a great spot for me. It was, you know, I think about 18, 19,000 students at the time. And do you play with anybody that we would, you know, any, any, you know, any names you can name drop? No, there, there's a bunch of guys that made it into the minor leagues, but I, I'm not so sure anyone ever got into the major leagues from those teams, which is kind of crazy because Central was kind of a powerhouse in Michigan for a while uh, back in those days. And I don't think any, a lot of guys, I mean, a lot, I mean, it's probably more of a handful, but, and I, I'm even struggling putting some last names with the first names right now, to be honest with you, I can picture them, but a lot of guys made it to like, you know, Aaron, or my Aaron? Aaron, Aaron, uh, yeah, Aaron, um, Aaron Knieper, there's another big, uh, big guy up there about six four, six five. Those couple guys I know from pitching aspect made it. I mean, those guys are all six four, six five, and then you know it's funny because everyone sees me and they're like, "Oh, you must have been a second baseman because of my height." And like, no, I pitch. And then everyone usually is like, "What? You know, five eight guy, five eight and a quarter actually, five eight and a quarter guy pitching? That doesn't make any sense." So, but yeah, no, those days, those days were great. So, and I think it's you know teaches you a lot about. I just loved it. You know, teach a lot about life. So you and- played in college for a Mac school, never recruited, 
didn't get a scholarship uh, and, and didn't play for, you know, you play for in travel, though. What was that travel? Uh, so we would come home team. and play in the uh, Adray leagues. The Adray leagues used to be huge around here. Uh, I don't even know if they exist anymore. Adray, I think it was Adray Appliance actually yeah, used to yeah, yeah. used yep. to sponsor a couple of leagues. There was a kind of a power league in Detroit, if I recall, or out of Detroit, and then there was another one in Livonia. So we would come home and play in the Livonia Adray League and stuff. So it was a blast, you know. And um, at that point in time, up until I was twenty-two, I really thought maybe I had a shot to do something more. With, with the game until we were playing a, a game out in Pontiac and a guy threw a no-hitter against us. It made us look silly. And we all had thought we had seen everything. And after the game, I went up to him. I said, what's your story? He goes, you know, I'm, well, I'm 27 years old and I just washed out of uh, the minor league system. And I'm like, wow. I said, you know, I mean, you basically made us look silly tonight. I mean, it was, it was just a different level than I guess we had ever seen before, which is kind of surprising with as much ball as we had all played. And, you know, and this guy's now washed out, you know, an old guy at 27. And he said, yeah, he goes, I, I made it double A. He goes, the jump for me to get to triple A is so massive. And then the jump again to major leagues is even that much more massive. That was the moment I knew baseball was not going to be my paycheck. And I remember driving out of that parking lot kind of bummed out i don't know maybe kind of the dream at that moment and those i i remember i if we drove up to right now i could tell you exactly where i was standing where my car was parked and everything and i could picture the guy his big old bushy mustache and stuff this 27 year old kid and he's like i i wasn't even close i'm like wow you just made us look really silly and dominated us like something we had really never been through in a long time and this guy wasn't even close and that was the day i realized that you know, and then um, I think I played one more year and then that was it. But I think I needed that moment because I would have I think I still would be dreaming about it, you know, at my age now. Are we still? All yeah. You know, you think you, know? you just want to do it so bad. Especially, I'm 39 years old and I see some of the major leaguers that are 40, 41. It's incredible. So as long as I'm younger than the oldest major leaguer, yeah. there's like a one in my mind. I've got a one percent chance that I could still be. There. Absolutely. You know, no then question. once yeah. I get older than Bartolo Cologne, yeah. then 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 my yeah. my dream's over. Yeah. No, you it's, know? That's, it, so. it, yeah, it's amazing. So it's um, and I think I needed that life moment because I I maturity wise to for someone to sit me down and say you know, listen you don't have a chance I, I was not going to listen to anyone but so i needed that moment so you know maybe god put him on that field that day against us for that reason but um i would have chased that for many more years and probably not have been as focused on my early career and you know you just don't know how that path looks then you know so so then how did you foray back into coaching um i I didn't know I was going to coach anything until the kids started getting involved. And then I started realizing, I think I have a lot I could give to baseball and softball just from all my years of playing and stuff. And so I kind of said to myself, you know, if they get into those sports, I will coach. Uh, and then I, I immediately just fell in love with it and the passion for it. Just, I mean, you know, maybe even obsessive some days, you know, sitting and you know, rewatching all the videos and training videos and talking to coaches and working with my own and others in the backyard and all the extra time. It just, it became um, addicting to me. And I realized really early on, I remember my dad saying this to me years before this, you will have more fun watching your kids play than when you played. And I thought he was crazy saying that to me because I was so invested all those years, but I would much rather watch my kids play and be a part of that right now. Not even close. I play some competitive golf sometimes in some of the tournaments in the area, and I don't even do that that much anymore, and I don't miss it at all. I just love – I would rather be at a practice 
with the kids than playing in a, you know, 36 hole competitive tournament right now or something like that. Because it's, so it got in my blood and I loved it. And then from baseball and softball, I transitioned into football with some guys and have had a blast with that. So you, you, you know, and you've coached football, but you've never had any, you, you never played really uh, no, football at all. No, flag football was, yeah, uh, you know, flag football through the YMCA. Yeah, that was it. You know, so everything I've learned is through the coaching staff that I coach with now. So it's just been great. We have a great group of guys. And I just I just as they, you know, now I feel very comfortable out there. But when I first started, I didn't know a lot. You don't want to tell a kid something that's not, you know, doing technique the right way. So I was out there learning as much as the kids were early on those first year years or year or two. And I think this would be this will be our sixth or seventh and final year of this year because the kids will then be going to high school. So, but, but yeah, so, you know, it, but it's been fun. It was something different. And, you know, even though I'm a baseball guy, there's something fun about football coaching. And I think what it is, is, you know, you only got 10 games a year baseball, you have 60 games a year. So, you know, when you're, when it's one out of 10 games, that's 10% of your season, one out of 60 games, you know, whatever that percentage is, it's, it's, that's why I think that's why football is just so much more meaningful. Every game is, you know, you're on the edge of your seat, whether it's so how, college how, or other, right? So, so how difficult was that, uh, that transition for you to go from, you know, uh, coaching something that you're, you're competent in, you are comfortable with to something that, you know, you just, you've never coached, you've never yeah. played in a, in a, you know, real competitive level. Yeah. I think the, the great thing about that was, you know, I, I think there was some nerves going in because you, you want to make sure you coach the kids the right way. But the, um, the coaching staff I'm with, I mean, everyone has their role. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I've always kind of said, I'm, 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 a, I'm of the five coaches. I'm the fifth coach, you know, I'm kind of like the assistant, the assistant in a weird way. And I realized early on that, you know, while I'm learning technique and learning all the drills and the, you know, in, in, in the vernacular and the play calling and all that, um, you know, number one, I didn't have an ego going into it. I knew the other guys were better X's and O's guys. And I don't have anything to give in that area at that point in time. You know, uh, I probably think I have more to give now, but, uh, uh, you, know, was, you know, you learn the game a little bit, but mm -hmm. I learned early on that I, my, my, my role for football is to be kind of the passion and energy guy for the team. If a kid's really down and hurt while we're running other drills, I kind of go over and try to help the kid out and, and keep them motivated. And I kind of found my own niche with the team, to be honest with you, and coaching. So that became kind of my niche, I feel. And then I learned from the other four coaches I coach with and, you know, and listen to them and you know, coaches meetings and then started really getting really interested in watching tape. And, and then you watch tape of our kids and you go watch some pro tapes and, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, but those, I think, four, I think uh, those so four guys have been great for me to, to learn that game. And I watch football completely different now on Sundays. It's completely, I don't watch just the ball anymore. I'm watching linemen. I'm watching, you know, the DN and technique and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really changed my perspective on the game. It's really fascinating. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, sum up what you just said uh, so for like you know a lot of times you know what you've seen there's a lack of coaches and people need to step up so i think the the message for like you know younger coaches or first-time coaches is you know you, you gotta put your hat in the ring get in there and just be willing to learn to grow change yeah. and and pick up skills from other people uh you know any way that you can you know yeah. i mean you didn't like i said you didn't play at a high level but you 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 got in there um, and you basically came under somebody else's wing and learned and, and grew yourself into a, you know, a serviceable coach for the, for the organization, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I think, I think, you know, everyone has different philosophies and everyone's going to agree with your philosophies, but if you're, 
I think if your heart's in it and you, you know, you, you go through those steps, then you should feel really good about what you're doing. Right. So, I mean, how many, how many of, uh, you know, coaches that you've run into that they start off with somebody, uh, they put their hat, their name in there and they just throw a clipboard at them and good luck. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it happens all the time. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, I think it's not only that, I think some people jump into it and they don't realize the, the amount of work and the effort you have to put in. I mean, if you think about it, it's every hour you're on a practice field, there's probably mm-hmm. two hours of work outside of it. And I don't think people see that. I mean, you know, if you're if you are really serious and passionate about it, you are probably up once or twice a week to one in the morning don't, working on practice plans. And, you know, and heck, sometimes you're working on scheduling and finance stuff and all this other stuff that's going in the background, especially if you're in travel, as you know. And um, but, you know, I think I think I try to remember what my number was. I think the last year I did both the boys and girls. It was like twelve or thirteen hundred hours over like a certain period of time for time. That's an estimate. But if you think about that in 40 hour work weeks, right. you wonder how the heck you slept, you know? So, right. but um, um, yeah, I, I, you know, whether people are great coaches or not, the ones who put in the time and the effort and energy um, and at least make a heck of an attempt with it is at the end of the day, I always tell everyone it's the kids experience that matters. You know, it's your players experience that matters the most you want them to me yeah you want to win you know question about it. we all want to win we all want you know those trophy moments and going out with the team and having fun but you know to me like in, in, in little league and in, in in the girls softball league the first thing i would do the next year is i would say i would look at the rosters and say did every one of the kids come back to play because if they all came back to play the next year then they we must have done something right the year before we must have made them feel good about themselves, good about the sport. And so if they're coming back the next year, then that, then we did something right. Mm-hmm. And if they and if half your team didn't come back, you're like, oh, boy, you know, like we never had that happen. But uh, that to me is critical. So. So softball versus uh, baseball, before we get into the like the differences, what what would you how would you sum up? What, what's your coaching style? If, if you had to yeah. summarize it, how, how would you say if, if an outsider well, well, who knows? How would, yeah. How, how would <laughs> who you, you, who are you talking to? Are you how talking would you to? describe it? And then yeah. how would an outsider describe <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, well, depends, right? You know, I mean, everyone has those depends, right? I, I, well, I, you know, actually, I go back to something you told me. You told me, I think your dad used to tell you, if you, if everyone loves, you know, likes you or everyone doesn't like you, then you're probably doing something wrong. And I used to be early in my career of coaching. I needed, I wanted harmony with every parent and every player, and I wanted this to be perfect for everyone. And it, and it drove me probably probably wasn't healthy, actually, but that's just the way I was wired with it. And then after you told me that statement, I started realizing, you know what? You're always going to have a couple of parents that are don't understand the philosophy or don't understand the process. So, you know what? If we can get, you know, if we can get nine of 11 or more and they're really happy every year, I got to think that's a pretty darn good year now. So you, your advice actually really helped me over the last three or four years. I don't know if I've ever told you that before. I see you're tearing up right now. No, thank you. (laughs) So uh, you have something in your eye, Um, but um, but you're right. You you remember uh, exactly, pretty much exactly what I said, and and it it was something my dad said. It was was in my first year. Yeah, Um, and I it was basically the the clipboard thing where um, an email went out. Look, we're not going to have a season. We need one more coach. I put my name in there. You know, I I, you know I played baseball and in high school and in that, but um, you know I didn't have any training or any yeah. guidance to, to coach a team. And so here I am with a bunch of eight-year-olds yeah. and they threw a clipboard at me. They didn't give me any training. And so I'm like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to make it my own. 
And, you know, and, and overall, uh, you know, my dad wasn't one to give me, um, you know, we have a great relationship. I love him. Uh, we have, we, we get along very well, but he, uh, you know, supported me a lot, but he would never say, uh, he would never say outwardly like, Hey, you know, you did a great job here or, or whatever. So, um, I was kind of, you know, I had a rough patch that first year and he came out and said, um, he goes, Hey, listen, been watching these games cause he came to a bunch of them, you know, and he's like, look, you're doing a great job. Don't change a thing. And then that's what he said. He said exactly what you, what you said. If everybody lo- loves you. You're doing something wrong. If everybody hates you, you're doing something wrong. If more people love you than hate you, you're doing something yeah. right. And I was like, you know, and I've I've told you that. I've told a bunch of other coaches that because I think I think it's uh it's appropriate, you know. Yeah. You never you're trying to do what's you're trying to you want to make everybody happy, but at the end of the day, realistically, you know, as you know, I mean, there's nine nine spots on the field. Yep. There's eleven or twelve kids, and I, I say now when we when we talk to the parents in the parent meeting. Three of you are going to hate me at the end of the year. Yeah, you know, no matter no matter what happens, yep. and that's what we sign up for, and no, we, we know did. that we know that. So, and I struggled that early on. I mean, the first couple of years, if there was any dissension with any parent or something, I, I mean, I would, you know, my one coach always said, "You're over communicating with them right now," you know, and I would I would meet them at a restaurant, we'd have dinner together, we would talk through it, and I just I I just I wanted that harmony and that balance. I thought that was I thought that like, I guess a mandatory part of the job or I was wired that way. I don't know. And then, but it, the last three or four years and it's much healthier to come in this way because, so you, you know, I, I love where this conversation yeah. didn't answer the question, which is what's your coaching no. style? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to quote, I think it's Bette Midler wind beneath your wings. <laughs> is that, is that her song or is yes, that a lyric? I okay. Right. I, I, every time I say that I, I, someone usually makes a joke about that. I, I, I hope, and I think I've done this. I, I, I want to be, I want to be able to get these kids, you know, cause I've had some people say you need to yell more you need to be harder on them and stuff. And, and I think we have those moments where we are, and I probably gotten better with that over the years, you know, being, having those moments where I need to be a little bit more direct with them. But to me, it's about how do you take these young people, especially when they're younger and how do you, how do you build confidence in them? How do you, keep the love of the game going how does this translate over and maybe into their into their life for school and everything else and their mental approach about other other things which they're not thinking about at this point but we all know at this age how that all builds off of each other planting seeds yeah you're planting seeds right so i i i just hope you know for all the kids you know i i i want to I want to keep instilling confidence. I want to keep instilling that you can do this attitude. Um, you know, I remember, I remember a few years ago we were at a game it was with one of the girls and she lazily ran down to first base, should have beat the throw out. It was one of those moments where I did lose my mind a little bit. And, um, you know, I remember I got a call the next day from her mom that I, 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 I ruined the sport of softball forever for her, you know, because I, I got on her, you know, and, and it was younger in my career. So it, it kind of stunned me for a minute. Right. And now I'm like, Oh, I should never do that again. Well, you know, I do think I was right in that moment, but you know, you, you got to balance all this stuff. Right. But listen, I, I hope we can continue. Like right now we have a bunch of seventh and eighth graders. My goal right now is to give to, to be harder and give them all the right tools in these practices over the next year or two. So when they go to high school tryouts, things slow down for them. Now those coaches may bang on them more, but if we can give them the confidence to walk in there and look like a ball player and and footwork like a ball player and throw like a ball player and pick up the extra balls in the corner when the coach is kind of looking, but not really. And all those little things, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to do. So I, I guess it's the wind beneath your wings type 
philosophy, even though it probably sounds a little silly right now as I'm saying it even I in like my it. head. So. I like it. Your philosophy is the same about with these kids and having them have good experiences, right? I mean, that was an experience. That was a, you know, an experience, a different thing yeah. that, you know, it doesn't happen yeah. every day. And that's what our date nights were about. Those 127 straight months. It was about... It was about, you know, as you sit around as a you know a couple, especially, you know, we didn't have kids yet, but I was like, are, are we just falling into patterns and stuff? And are we doing, is there new experiences of things in, you know, we always talk about doing this. We always talk about doing that. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And then that's how that came up. And then it, it was, it, I have the list of them all on a piece of paper still. We tracked it for years and, um, you know, it's, some, some of them are cooler than others, obviously. And. This podcast is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Greater Michigan Orthopedics. Give Dr. Hemming a call like I did for my shoulder. Give him a call at 810-953-0500. Greater Michigan Orthopedics. The softball versus baseball, I mean, yeah. do you do you coach it differently? I mean, obviously you can't change who you are, yeah. but do you coach it differently? Is it coached differently? Not just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different game, but yeah. uh, is your approach change? Uh, do you handle situations differently? What's the, what's the difference between the two? I, I think, um, first of all, the two games, as much as they look very similar, they are so different in so many ways. Hundred percent. And, and I don't think I even realized that until I got into softball. I mean, if you think about it, the girl. So in college, right? You watch, you know, college World Series, or you watch the professional league for the girls, the women. You know, all the bases are sixty foot, right? The girls start on a sixty foot field. Now you think about the boys. The big fields, 90 foot bases. They start on, I don't even remember what we started off in yeah. the little league. It was probably 50 or 60 foot right, bases. Right. So I guess my point is the girls are right away on a big field. They're on the field. They're going to be on their entire career. The boys grow into the field. It's kind of interesting. The game's so much faster in softball, so much faster. Um, and then the pitching, they're right on top of each other. And, you know, they're right on top of the batter. So you're teaching hitting and hitting mechanics and getting them comfortable in the batter's box is so much harder to me in softball than it is baseball is the reaction time. The ball's coming in. I think the ball's coming in. I mean, it's not, but the ball almost seems like it's coming in faster when they're nine and 10 you than it is at 15, 16 you because of the distance and the ball's smaller. So the ball even grows in size with the girls, but to get to more of the core of your question, um, when I started coaching the girls, you know, there's definitely a difference, you know, there's a difference, difference in maturity level. The girls definitely seem more mature than the boys early on. I think everyone would agree with that. Um, and the girls, I think want to run through a wall for you a little bit more, you know, early on, you know, I think the boys get to there at some point, but I went out with a sports psychologist early on. And what I, a guy I met through some other people, it's kind of a weird story, but I, I took him to lunch a couple of times and, and he used to, he was a sports psychologist and he got very, uh, he wrote a bunch of papers and stuff on um, professional female athletes. And what he, near the end of his career, what he would do is he would go out with new LPGA golfers who are new to the tour, who are probably freaking out a little bit because they finally made it right. Don't want to lose their card or whatever. And and, and and he would he would carry their bag. So he basically caddy for them. But his the reason he was out there with them was to talk to them about the mental approach for the game. And what he said to me, which has resonated with me, and I believe it's very true. He says the relationships for the girls are much more important than the boys. The boys will pound on each other and five minutes later be turning a double play. But if the girls come out. And just to use an easy analogy, if, you know, you know, if they're a little bit older and one has a boyfriend and one of the other girls talk to that boy on the bus 
the relationship for that, that moment could be deteriorated. They don't want to turn a double play together. So he told me early on that for the difference in his opinion between the girls and the boys was is much more relationship driven. And you want to have a little bit more or much more harmony player coach, player to player what happened at their family life. Now you can't control all those things, obviously. So I think with the girls, I really tried hard to make sure that even more, and I try to do the same thing with the boys, but with the girls, after some of those kind of sessions with this guy, really try to make sure that we had great chemistry. Uh, even if we had, uh, you know, chemistry should be organic and natural, right? But if you could, if you saw things that where there was little rubs happening or whatever, you know, I would separate the girls and put them in different groups and stuff with the boys. I'll just throw them in the same group and let them go. You know, they don't seem to care after five minutes. They just move on. So, so there's a lot of there's differences for sure. So going back to your thing about chemistry and, you know, you, I, I don't think yeah, there's got to be natural chemistry, but then you can help uh, start growing the seeds of chemistry, right? Yes. By doing activities and 100%. bonding and, yep. and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, I know I know you do that with with the boys, too. But so. Again, uh, I think what you said is you had to do a little more of that, making sure that, that harmony was a little bit better versus what you have to spend with the boys. Yeah, I think so. The, the boys forget much quicker. The girls, I think it, it, it sits a little bit longer with some of those relationship type. Um, and I definitely with the girls, we did a lot more, you know, the boys, we don't do it as much. We, we did do it to some degree, but like. You know, one practice when they were younger, we would bring apples and they would hit apples after practice. And they love that, you know, or or we'd have a movie day and we'd all go to the movies together. Or, you know, we did a lot more of that type of outside bonding. So the team was really cohesive and whatnot. We do it with the boys, but not it, the boys. It kind of happens accidentally now. Now they're a little bit older, too. Where the girls, though, it was part of the planning before the season started. You know, here's the practice plans. Here's the schedule. All right, we have an open week here. Maybe we need to fit something in. Who has a pool? Who has a lake? You know, I think that was definitely, uh, I don't, I know for a fact that was definitely part of the planning. So the planning was a little different too, I think. So, so, so be honest, who's more girls, the boys or the girls? Oh, I think it's got to be the boys. But I'll tell you what, all their feet stink. <laughs> Some of the girls' feet stink just as bad as the boys. <laughs> You know, we, we, you know, you, you take a, you know, t I don't care. I don't care. You can have a blindfold on, you put them in the car and they take your shoes off. I don't think you, you can't can tell, tell the difference. No, you can't tell the difference. So then, uh, so how do you, how do you make decisions? Um, like both tactically on the field and then like with, you know, decisions when you have to, you know, uh, who's going to, um, be playing, who's going to make the team, you know, as a coach, what were you, Let's start with the, the strategy uh, standpoint. You know, how are you making your decisions? You know, we're we're morphing now that they're getting closer to high school. Um, I, I've been a big believer that I see a lot of these young teams where they have the same infield all year. When these eight year olds, same girls playing third base all year and never playing outfield. That's ridiculous to me. Because to me, you can't be a great infielder if you haven't played outfield. You know, I just I really I really believe in that. And so when they were younger, strategy wise, we really try to move them around as much as possible. Give them, other, you know, a lot of opportunities and a lot of spots is, you know, you know, like right now, I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, probably do know a little bit with Shane, but, you know, is he going to be a linebacker when he gets to high school or is he going to be the quarterback? We, you know, he's not you know, probably a linebacker, but 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 my point being is you don't really know until they get there. So if he never has a chance to do and try something younger, you're not going to know if they're going to be good at it later. Does that make sense a little bit? It does. So what I found is that kids mature at different ages too. Oh, okay. it's unbelievable. So they go from, you know, they'll shoot up and then 
good and bad. So they'll shoot up all of a sudden. They're tall and they've got a big arm reach. And now maybe, maybe they're a pitcher. Yep. The other flip side of it is now that for that first year, they're kind of learn how to walk again and learn how to use their body, right? So they all progress at different ages, right? And so what I found is, you know, and, and we're human and we have bias and we have history. So a kid that's been playing with us maybe three, four years, every year I try to reset my expectations of that player and try to look at it again. And maybe now he is a shortstop. Maybe now he, he want, he's a first baseman like he wants to be or whatever it is. And because they all progress at different ages, yes. it clicks in at different ages. Yes. And so that's kind of what... It, Sounds like you were saying the same. Yeah, thing. absolutely. I think it all changes now. Now, however, now we're getting into this point where they're all. I mean, where are we in January? So you know, four of my kids are 14 months away from high school tryouts, and then the, all the seventh graders are 26 months out, right before high school tryouts. And to me, I want the the win will be if all of them can play high school baseball, because then we've given them the skill set to do so. You know, and, and a lot of hard work by themselves and their parents, obviously. You know, and. Probably a lot of checks being written too, right? With all this stuff, but um, we're getting to a point now too to be competitive. You you, you got to start honing some skills. You know, I you know I'll use Shane for instance. I, I I don't think Shane is a second base or shortstop, but I do think he's a corner guy. And he's getting most of his playing on the corners right now. He's more at first and he's third, but we got to work him more in the third. So when he gets to high school, he has a secondary infield position that he's comfortable with. Because you can tell when he's on the field, he's very comfortable on one corner, not as much on the other right now. So is that our fault as a coach? Is we haven't given him enough time? Probably is. I can say that about every one of our kids right now. You know, but you, you start sensing at this point now. You kind of know who your middle infielders are, you know, who have better range, a little bit more speed, who has a stronger arm for the left side of the field versus the right. So we're trying to hone it in a little bit, but we still want to give them, you know, I want them to have, I would love for them all to have about five options when they get to high school to play. To me, it's, it, you know, most of them pitch. So it's either pitcher, catchers, one, a spot in the infield, and then you got three outfield positions. And 40, I think 42% of the balls at this age get hit to the outfield which the kids don't understand. Hey, J.D. Martinez makes uh, $20-something million a year playing right field. That's right. That's right. Right field's not bad. Not a bad spot to be. Yeah. You know, so so I I, I think we're trying to hone it down, I guess, is my point. With strategy-wise, we're trying to, you know, because you, you, I want us to give kids an opportunity who don't, who maybe aren't ready for second or short, let's say, but you, we're getting to a point now where the kids, the kids know who's better at those positions. You know, you do want to do, you, you've got to have a little winning in there too, to keep the motivation going and whatnot. I mean, there's a balance with all this stuff, right? You know I mean? Some games we'll go into and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do some testing and stuff. So my expectation of a win versus loss isn't really there. It's more about player development. But if you do that too much and, and there's a bunch of losses, the kids aren't res- registering like we are as adults. So then, you know, maybe you got to go back to your stud lineup and get a couple wins. So you got to balance all this stuff. And it is not easy. It is not easy at all. And I think we figured there's like four or 500 decisions a game that you make. You're going to yeah. screw up a few, yeah. you know, some of us more than others. Yeah. You especially. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Go. No, I make, I make a ton. So of I don't them. know if that all makes sense, but no, I think it, did. I so think it morphs other, over time. Strategy morphs over time based on age, I believe. So going back to one thing about, uh, you said about high school. So one of the things I'm, I'm trying to get, um, same thing. All my players are ninth or 10th graders and what I've done, especially, you know, in the, in the, you know, off season is try to get them comfortable at various positions like you mentioned. So that way, when the coach asks them, hey, have you ever played this position? They can look them in the eye and say, yeah, I've, I've worked over there and but at least somewhat be proficient in that. Yes. And so that there's because if they're playing, like you said, 
like like we'll go back to your example of Shane. If he only played first base, and what if there is a kid in front of him at his high school a year ahead of you him? You got it. Who is a giant stud and a roadblock, the Miguel Cabrera of you know his high school? He's in he's trouble, not, and he has nowhere else to play. Then what happens? That's correct. So, um, and 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 this is a life lesson too that I try to explain to the kids too. You, you, know, you always want to have options. Yes. You want to have, you don't want to be pigeonholed in your career. You don't want to be pigeonholed on the baseball field. You don't want to be pigeonholed in a, in a lot of areas of your life. Yep. So hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think we, we, you know, first base, I think is a good example of that, um, you know, I, you know, a lot of, everyone wants to play shortstop, right? Everyone wants to be Derek Jeter and the captain, right? Well, when you get to high school, every kid or most kids probably have played shortstop and every one of them wants to be starting shortstop in high school. There's only one of them yep. per inning, right? Or yep. per game, or or starter, or whatever however you want to look at that, and you know, and, and and some of these kids who have great range and stuff, they have a lot of speed for the outfield, and they can make make hay out there, like you said with JD. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it is such a critical. All nine spots are critical. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I think the perception of the outfield gets a bad shake, which is too bad, really, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of games. I mean, you know, there was a ton of games last year. I think we won because of the outfield. You so. Know? Going back again about your coaching style and making decisions. So how much how much weight do you put in decisions based on stats or analytics? What do you how much how much weight do you put on that? And yeah, I, I not not a lot at this age. I, I you know we, we we keep all the stats. I look at them constantly. I do have a rule that no one else gets to see them because I do not want I do not need everyone in the world saying, well. You know, so and so is hitting, you know, 400 right now. Why aren't they batting second? You know, there, there's a lot. There, there's so many other decisions. I now give everyone their stats at the end of the year if they want to see them. But during the in season, only a few of us get to see them. Um, I don't put a ton of stock on it because to me, you could have a kid who's hitting 150 who has a beautiful swing, you know, who's just, you know, a little slump versus a kid who's hitting 150 and has a terrible swing. They're not, you know, it's not apples to apples. One kid is a better athlete, has a better swing. One kid is just maybe, you know, not as good of a player. Or, or let's say, let's say the kid, the kid with the, the worst swing has a 300 batting average over a two week period, but all of his hits are little dribblers and he's kind of lucking out a little bit, you know, in a way, you know, they're not pure it, stats, stats. You got to be careful with. I think there's a huge place in them. Obviously, sabermetrics and everything. Obviously, you know, Billy Bean and all those guys, that they would think I'm nuts with this. But I think at the youth level, you got to be careful with that. I'm I'm more into technique, their approach, their confidence, you know. Um, how hard they're working. You know, how hard they're working. I, I, there's a thousand other things besides stats. Stats is literally one of the last things I look at right now at this age level. Um, I do keep an eye on them, though. And, 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 and if we see there's trends going on, you know, I, I, you know, people one year were talking about, you know, you know, maybe we should put a couple of kids who have, you know, higher uh, on base percentages up in the lineup who aren't as good of hitters, but their on base percentage was very good. Well, I have no confidence they're going to hit the ball. All right. So they work some walks. You got to give them credit there. But you also luck into some walks too sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful with on base percentage too sometimes. You know, so I, you know, I, I and then they, and they get they get fat on on one game with some uh, against a weak team. That's correct. And then the other, you know, the other guys kind of the same throughout the whole season, regardless of the of the talent level yep. against. And then one kid's feasting on, you know, 
you're right. They can stats can always be manipulated. Yes, right? they can always be. You can parse out what you want to see from absolutely. Them. So I think I think they're I think they're my, my I know you didn't ask me, but my my thought is it's a it's another tool. It's a tool. Right? It's, it's it's one of many tools, and I don't give it any. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's a tool. You keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, the, the 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 things I like to look at in stats is strikeouts and balls in play and things like that. Are we making contact? Are we getting the ball? Because sometimes over a couple of week period, you're like, wait a minute. And then you go back to the stat book. You're like, holy smokes. You know, so-and-so struck out eight of 10 times all of a sudden. We got a little trend going on here. What's going on? And, you know, and we video a lot of times from the dugout, their swings. We'll go back and look. Oh, my God, he's doing this or that. And then you make adjustments from that. So I think we use, at least I use stats more for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and that's our thing, too. I remember, I mean, most of the team remembers this, our first year of travel. I think Shane's first, like, 14 at-bats, I think he got robbed, like, 11 times. It, it, it was uncanny. He just couldn't buy a hit. Guys were making diving plays and the plays of their lives. And, I mean, it got to a point where he hit the ball, and we were like, well, someone's going to, you know, right fielder is going to make a diving play and, you know, down the third baseline, right? Bring it I back mean, from over yeah, the Yeah, seriously, it was crazy. But, so, you know, I, and I just remember that. Obviously, he's my son, but um, – he was swinging the bat as good as good as anyone at that period to drop him down to me would have made no sense. We talked about experiences and making experience with the kids. So one of the, you know, the, the treks, uh, the coming of age, the coming of age trek, uh, to Cooperstown. Yeah. Um, you did that last year. Um, so just very generically, tell me about that. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. We, we had a three-year plan. Um, our plan was, you know, you know, the player, a couple of the players changed. Most of them did not, but a few players changed over that three-year period. But our plan was was to build a team to be ready to compete in Cooperstown. Now, when I say compete, it's not to go out there and win it because I 104 teams there, you know, that would be a crazy expectation. But to go out there and be competitive and look like a ball team. And so that was our plan for three years. We made the trek out there last June. Um, we, we played well. Um, we, we exceeded our expectations. It was an experience of a lifetime, I think, for most of the kids. Um, you know, I, I, that was a three-year journey to get to that point. I think I, I know I came home. I'm, I'll, I'll be proud of that week forever because it wasn't just that week. It was the three years leading up to it and all the hard work and the training and the practices and, you know, coming home from games going, why can't we, why can't we turn a double play? All right. So we work on that in practice. Why can't we hit a change up? We work all those things you do leading up to that. So that was kind of a culmination for us. Uh, well, I, let me let me take that back. It was a culmination for me of the plan over those many years. That that Cooperstown was the explanation final. Now we can assess our first three years. Now that we're done with that, my whole goal is how do we get these 12, 11 players that we have prepared for high school trials so they all make a team. So so our philosophy is now switched to a different level. And now, you know, we want to go out and play the best of the best all the time. Um, we'll see how we stack up against them. But I want to make sure that you know, if, if our kids are playing the best, we're seeing 70, 75 mile per hour fastballs all the time now, instead of once every fifth game, this is just, they're, they're going to catch up to the game. And, and then that will be the icing on the cake for them. And hopefully they can take that a long way then. So, so Cooperstown is kind of a, kind of a, you know, our, our path and philosophy and thought process has changed here a little bit since then. And, and I really did. I wanted the kids to have a blast through, you know, 
So I know, I know it was about the experience, but how did you, how did you finish? And yeah, we, we, uh, we finished 29 out of 104 in pool play. And then we won our first bracket team and then we made it to, I think it was round of 16 or maybe it was the fifth round, which is quite a long way. And we lost to a team from, uh, the Louisiana Kings. Um, before the game, I look over there and they're, they're, they have, they're doing bands, they said a team prayer. So I'm like, oh, my God, they got the Lord on their side. They got bands. They're warm. I mean, everything about them looked like a professional team over there. And I think we do a pretty good job with that stuff. But it, it was it was just different. And then after the game and then they beat us pretty good. And it wasn't a bad way to go out because we lost to a, just a superior team and we had a heck of a week. We didn't we didn't walk off the field going, oh, my God, we could be playing one more. We had. They beat us 100 out of 100 times. And normally I never say it. Usually it's always 99 out of 100. That's how good they were. And they put it to us pretty decent. Um, but after the game, I went up to the guy and I said, all right, what's what's your guy's story? He goes, well, we're like an all-star team. I got kids from Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. And I'm like, I've got a bunch of kids from Wild Lake, Michigan. You know, like, so think about you know, that. We don't even yeah. start until, <laughs> so, you know, middle of April for our first game. Yeah. So you think about that. All of our kids are within a five mile radius. Their kids are from like a thousand or I don't know what, you know, whatever, a thousand mile radius, you know. So um, the first batter of the game, one of our fastest kids hits a shot out to center field. The kid from center field guns them out at first base by three steps. And at that moment, we all looked at each other like, it's going to be a long game. This is going to be, yeah. And we held in there. We were, uh, we were up one nothing early, and then we were down 2-1 through about two, two and a half innings. I'm like, let's just keep pushing them, keep pushing them. Let's, you know, win beneath your wings, guys. Let's go, you know. And then, and then all of a sudden the wheels came off. Well, the wheels didn't come off. They started playing, I guess. Maybe that maybe that's a better way to put it. And they, they were solid as all get out. But it was a great experience. You know, it was uh, staying in the barracks with the kids. You really get to learn personalities and things like that. I mean, some so of the give me a couple of give me a couple of stories, some a couple. Oh, funny man. Stories. You know, it, it, the because that again, I mean, that's just an experience. It is an experience. You know, I think everyone everyone told me. So I we went to the Con Bowl two years ago and we ran into some uh, some players who play at uh, Fair State D1 football and, and and they still play there this past year. So they're still there and they had gone to Cooperstown and they told me and both their teams had won. One had won no games. One had won one game. And, and, and so here you have two stud athletes who are playing D1 football or are, are they D1 or maybe they're D2? Uh, no, they're D2. D two or three, two or three. Okay, so anyway, anyway so so yeah. very good college football. Right, High right. level college football, one of the top programs for that level out there. Right, they're usually fighting for the national championship every year. And both these kids said, "Oh, it didn't matter about the wins and losses. It was about everything else." And I, I really struggled. I'm trying to understand that, and I kept telling all the kids, "It doesn't matter," because I'm like, "Well, oh, everyone else tells me it doesn't matter. I'm gonna tell the kids this. We don't have these crazy expectations." And honestly, we won a lot, and that was a ton of fun. I think if we had only won one game, we would have had just this, just as good of experience. Uh, I'm very proud of what we did on the field, but you know, staying in the barracks and all eating together and literally moving as this amoeba together, where we were glued to each other, and and then you know some of the personalities that came out. You know, like we're like, you know, I won't mention any names right now, but we're like, we you know that kid's one of our shyest kids, and he's in there entertaining the entire 
group to one in the morning and things like this. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, the same kid every day losing his belt and shirt before the games, even though we told him, there's always one kid on the team, please, one kid, please put it out. And then, you know, the, 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 you know, the eye black or whatever, you know, a couple of the guys got started getting really crazy with the eye black. I mean, really crazy with it. And then it was cool, but some of our kids wanted to be a part of that little club. So there's bonding there. And then, you know, the wiffle ball and, and, and the competitiveness there. And I just, uh, um, and, and it was kind of neat because you're, you know, you're, you're just, you have three coaches with the players. There are no parents, no one else around. You are just, there is just, there's something pure about it. And then that setting, as you know, is unbelievable. I mean, you're, and I forget what the hills are out there, but you're, you know, you're in those hills and you're standing there coaching. And all of a sudden you look up and you look in the distance and there's these rolling hills with these beautiful trees and, you know, sun going up or down. And Could you imagine playing there as a kid? Oh, be phenomenal. I mean, I, I uh, if that, if that, if I even knew about that as a kid, I, I mean, that would have been my, yeah. my holy grail. I mean, yeah, that it, it is you, everything you said. Uh, I agree. It's just something about the whole atmosphere. You're staying together. You're that's all you're there to play baseball. Yeah. That's it. Your baseball no distractions. None. Yeah. You, you, you a little bit of things here or there. You see your parents for a little bit, but then they go away. Yeah. And then it's just, it's just you and your teammates. And, uh, I, I agree. One of the, so, you know, we're, I mean, we're from Michigan, right? So we're not putting these powerhouse teams like you just mentioned yeah. a thousand mile radius. Right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with us. We go there, we had your team at your age was much more talented than ours. We had, hands down. We had a good team. We had a lot of fun, but uh, we weren't, uh, we were there to have a good time. So we go, I remember the one morning I get up to go to the shower at like, you know, six 30 in the morning. And, uh, I mean, the, the sun just is rising and everything. And I'm hearing ting, ting. I'm like what in the hell? There's a team out there. Yeah. Going out know? practicing. Yeah. And, and I walk over there and they're coming up and they're, they're finishing up. They've been out there for like 45 minutes. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and they're, 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 they're there to win it. You know, and and believe me, we wanted to win. But for sure, absolutely. I mean, there it was. It, you had the, some of those teams that were, yep. you know, high, crazy high end, and then you had, and we were somewhere in the middle, you know. And but that's just that whole uh, the whole experience there. I mean, I can't say enough about it. It's just uh, I, I thought like one you said, the, something yeah, pure. It is. It, it is it, it's. I thought one of the coolest things about it was this 114 bracket they put together. It was until I got there. I mean, obviously, you know what 114 bracket is. You know, we all been around this stuff long enough. But what I loved about it is they have 104 play 103 and 102 play 101. And and then, you know, so so all those games through that entire bracket are pretty competitive. And what I love about it is, you know, I went back. As a matter of fact, it was funny earlier today. I went back through all 13 weeks from last year, just kind of reminiscing for a few minutes today when I had a few minutes at lunch. And I was looking at it, you know, and, and, and out of 104 teams every week, probably six to eight have no wins. But then they pair them up in the bracket. So at least half those teams are going to get a win. So almost everyone's leaving there with at least a W. And I bet those W's when you're an 0-6 team playing that 103-104 game and you get that win. I got to think that experience is just as exciting as the team that wins that thing. I can tell you, we were one of those teams. We were uh, like one in six or whatever okay. it was going in there. We had we got one win, right? Yeah. And um, 
you know that 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 playoff win we we got a win and it was it was a big you'll deal, never forget you know never it was forget a big that deal. yeah the other one I don't know if you felt this but I, I felt a lot of pressure uh, for the kids uh, you know because it's a it's a the outfield that it's all two hundred foot yep every single one all the dimensions are exactly the same and the kids know that they can every kid on the team can hit it that far everyone the smallest kid it does you That's know the beauty the, of the, park. the biggest kid yep they all can hit it out and so I was worried uh, uh, there was pressure on me i'm like god when did this first one get get it get, get it out are they gonna try are they gonna press too hard and so i remember our uh, uh going through the orientation that uh they said something about the record is like 14 home runs or whatever something like that right so our our catcher gets up there first at bat he hits one out third at bat third third batter of our of our our first game okay. i'm like well that's awesome so that's off our back. Yeah. He comes up again, second time up, he hits another one out. And I'm like, oh my. So now I'm thinking, he's going to set the record. Right, you know? right. Then Here he didn't hit another one after that, you know. But it was. He had it was his day, though. It was, oh, it was, it was, yeah. it, it was an awesome experience. And then I, I don't know how many kids hit out for your team. I think we had like, of the uh, 11 kids, I think five hit them out or six. Yeah. A couple hit the wall. I mean, it was yeah. that, just that too from, so it's, it's a whole atmosphere with the team. But then like that little thing. Each kid can hit one out, yes. and, or at least has the potential. Yes, and that's another moment for them individually. Yeah. So it's a good, you know, uh, a bonding of both those individual and those team aspects. It, it's, it's funny as that tournament went on, and I do think there was a you could see there was a pressure mounting even after day one. You know, two or three of our kids had hit one out, and a couple of the big guys hadn't hit one out yet. And you could tell. I'm like, oh boy, I hope they don't press the rest so we can ruin their experience. You know, and I think we had eight of the eleven hit one out there. It was some. It was crazy. I think we had sixteen total home runs and um or maybe yeah, maybe it wasn't eight of 11 but we had so, a, we had a good number hit them out there but yeah I, the pressing and as a coach you do because you know they all want one so bad there and then so then i started watching and maybe this is the wind beneath the wings thing again a couple of the kids who weren't hitting them out when they did something, when they had what I would call a Cooperstown moment, they pitched a great game. They came in a relief. Uh, we had one play between the catcher and pitcher in a game against Delaware that saved the game for us, um, which gave us a better seating for the uh, bracket play. I, I really talked those up with those kids. You know, they didn't hit their home run, but you guys had a Cooperstown moment. That's something you should never forget. You beat Delaware for goodness sakes, you know, and because of your play and all those. So that, that was something that was very conscious on my mind as that week went on. If you didn't hit that home run, I didn't want them going home feeling disappointed because I bet some kids do go home disappointed because you think you, but it's, it's fantastic when you hit one. Yeah. Absolutely. You want, but there's so much more about that. that it's, so I, I'm going to mention a kid's name that I was so happy that he, yeah, I know where you're going with and this. That, uh, that's Andrew Holler. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I, I like that, you know, I like, I like the kid, I like the family and, you know, he, he wasn't one of your stud players, you know, uh, he wasn't a whole, he wasn't a bad player by any means, but he was, um, he wasn't a stud player and he hit one out or two, or one or two, uh, I don't remember three, now. three. Okay. You better get it right. Yes. Um, but that was, I thought that was cool. And then, you know, your team was sending me, uh, pictures and stuff like yeah. that. And, and, and so even for me, I wasn't there. But uh, I, I got to feel part of it because, they, you know, especially with Andrew, you know, um, that's something he'll, he'll never forget. That, no, it, you know, it, you know it, it, Andrew, um, and I start crying even thinking about this. When he hit that first one, as a matter of fact, his dad about, you know, his dad, we're good friends. And he sent me a text not too long ago. He goes, 
I was watching the game video or something or the video of that moment. He goes, he goes, he goes, one of my favorite moments of it was the second that ball was hit, you know, he goes, he goes, your hands are in the air celebrating already. And just, I must've been in the line of the video, but you know, it just was just hogging the one of the great moments of us being there. And then he goes off for two more after that, including one against the Louisiana team. We had, we scored two runs in that game. We had two home runs. Andrew was one of those home runs in that game against probably the best team we have ever faced. Um, excuse me. So that that was fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and he, I mean, talk about a kid who had a Cooper. Matter of fact, we've laughed since they've been back. I said, you know, Andrew, if you want to play base, you know, he's, he's retired. He's going full at basketball right now because that's really his love. So he's not playing this year. But. You know, I said, if you want to play baseball full time, you got to move to Cooperstown. You're stuck. You know? So so we've laughed about that a lot. And the other interesting thing is, you know, so here he had a great experience on the field, but he also had he really we had two kids who really got into the coin trading you know, or the pin trading. Yes. Yes. And he got so into that and he ended up having this really cool binder that they sold there, you know, and put all these pins in there and his collection. uh uh, I saw it a couple months after we got home, but he loved that. And, and it was neat to watch him forget about baseball and anything, go up to other teams, go, into the, go to other teams' barracks, get to know a couple of kids on a team, trade pens, say, oh, my teammate's missing this one, and almost start negotiating for the team. And But it was neat to see him kind of as a, as a person kind of, you know, Branching network out network and yeah. branch out and you know and i tease all of our kids on the team i said we well, all be working for him someday so you know um but yeah no that was that was that was about as special as it gets i would that say Pinterest, we went to a graduation within the last couple of years and the kid um you know six years later he had that out at his graduate you know oh, i believe he it. had a board with you know a bunch of pictures and all, all yeah. these great moments and he you know won some uh um, academic awards and right there is his little you know, uh, pins from all, you know, trading at Cooperstown, yep. a whole, I think it was like a towel or something with all these different pins yeah. on there. That was one of the things he had out at his graduation party yeah. from high school. Yeah, I, I would think Andrew will have his out when he, seriously, it, and it, it, the collection is very impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and we, we gave all the kids like a hundred pins or something crazy, like more than they needed. Right. And, uh, and, uh, you know, some, you know, Andrew comes back with, I think 300 and we have a couple of kids that came back with two. Right. You know, right. I mean, right. You know, and then one, you know, and a couple, you know, how, couple, how many, how did you, did you bring some? Did you get into that? You know, I didn't, I, if I were to go again, I did, I got you know, into it. You did. I did. I, I, you know, I did get you it. have your own pin or was it a cannon pin? Well, let me, let me tell you about that. So I, I had the regular cannon pin, okay. Okay, but my assistant coach kind of was, um, got into the spirit a little bit yeah. and, and he would go, we'd walk into like, you know, you know how those barracks are, but we'd yeah. walk into a crowd of kids. Right. And then he'd go, he'd say something like, Oh man, did you get those cannons pins? They're really rare. Yeah. And then people were like, Oh, and then they'd come up to me and like, I'm like, Oh, you know, do you have a coach's pen? Now they're the same ones as all the kids. Yes, okay? But they don't once. know. Yeah. And they're like, I go, yeah, the, the, the rate right now is three to one for a coach's pen. They're like, okay. And they give me three. I remember you had told me that. And so it was fun for me. It was, and then me and my assistant coach, we were laughing our, our yeah. butts off, yeah. you know, and, um, and then, the, you know, and, and you know, you know, as you know, some of the umpires have them and the oh, concession workers. It's unbelievable. It's um, if you it, collect so many pins, you can get a bonus pin. If you go downtown to Cooperstown, some of the stores right. have them. So we uh, we brought, um, uh, you know, we have that partnership with Huron Valley. We brought one of the the, the pins back um, from me that you had. We gave them 
one. That's cool. Um, and then the the one of our my players went there and gave the principal one. So he has you know his cannon pins up, and they're like, um, you know, they're they're just like a little little, uh, you know, it's like a. Um, a time capsule almost, you know, uh, it's a moment in time. It's there. It's like, you know, when you bury a little bottle, throw in the ocean, 100%. you know, it's, it's kind of like that. And you see these pins and you'll go to like uh, restaurants or, or bars, whatever, and you'll see them up there, you know, and it's, and I, heck, I, I was cleaning out the, the couch today and what do I find? I find a friggin' Cannon's <laughs> uh, pin, you know, from Cooperstown in, in the, in the couch, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, hopefully it had his backing on it. So you didn't it did. on that Thank baby. God, yeah. Yes. yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a special place. It's a rite of passage if you're playing travel ball anymore, I think, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a neat spot, you know. And I'm trying to think some of their stuff. I mean, we, we had one kid one night just start going off telling, telling jokes and stuff that was wild, you know. I mean, to a point where we actually had to cut him off a little bit because it was, <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. But we're like, wait a minute, don't tell your moms about this, please, you know, one of those moments, you know, and, and stuff. And, few of those jokes I still use today. So funny, you know, if I'm well, with yeah, the right audience. So. It's, it's bad when they're teaching you stuff. You're like, what? Wait, wait, how's yeah, that like, working? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, I was trying, you asked another question. Maybe, oh, oh, I think that was our cool thing about going back to Cooperstown for a minute. The sense of love we got back home from like you and the other coaches and some of our people who knew we were there tracking what we were doing there because of the day and age of technology and all this stuff was really cool. You know, and many times I told the boys, I said, listen, everyone you guys know back in Michigan is pretty pumped up for you guys right now. So that added to the experience, all the people who weren't there, who were sending texts and good wishes and the little bit we interacted or others that 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 really was I was not expecting that at all. I guess I couldn't even fathom that because we've never been in this situation before, but that was pretty darn cool, man. So one that of, added to the, that added for me anyways, that added to the, the experience big time. Like it yeah, made so me you, feel proud. So yeah, uh, I'll echo what you said. You had uh, sent me a couple things and, um, you know, I'd sent you some stuff back and I didn't want to interrupt your time there, but one of the things that I, that was cool that week the parents that were staying outside, you know, not in the barracks, yeah. you know, a bunch of them, you know, were getting together. And that's part of it too. It's the bonding with the parents too, because they're, um, they're going to watch a couple games a day and then that's it. They're out there. They got, they got know, a lot of time uh, to hang. Yeah. Yep. And getting to know each other. So that was cool. But one of the nights they had sent me, um, you know, there's probably like eight or nine of them, uh, like at a little bonfire they had and yes. they sent me this whole picture. And, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I zoom, I took that thing and I was zooming in on every one of those faces and they're like genuine smiles on these yeah. adult faces, you know, yeah. it's not a fake one. It's not, I don't want to be this picture. It was, I mean, that meant a lot to me too, because again, it's about the experience, you know, not only for the players, but then, you know, the families too. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of money to go out there and you know, it's a, it's a time investment. You got to take time off of work and yep. you know, it's a, it's, it's a big deal. It is so. a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we talked about going to uh, Branson, Missouri this year because they have like kind of a barrack type situation. It's the ballparks of America or something like this in 13 years of last year, you can go, you know, they don't have 14 or more. So I'm like, well, if we're going to go, we got to go this year. And you know, there was a lot of factors as we sat there and thought about it and we're like, well, 
you know, and part of it was, you know, I think you just want a little time to get between Cooperstown and anything else like that. You know, I think I think Ballpark Samara is probably a fantastic spot to go. I'm like, I'm not this is not a, a negative thing against it. Just you want to keep that Cooperstown experience special. And then we like, you know, let's put a little extra for number one. We got, you know, the parents don't want another big payday like last year. I mean, they would all do it in a heartbeat, but. It wouldn't be bad to have a year off too because yeah, yeah, we've invested yeah. a lot of money in travel and hotels and all that. Yep. And uh, we're like, you know, we can get a lot of good baseball right here in Southeast Michigan. So that's what we'll do. But, you know, so nothing it, out of state this year. Uh, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Grand Park actually down Grand, in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. We're going to, we're going to do that. It's, you know, so it's a, it's an easy drive. People can't get down there on Friday. They can still come in Saturday and things like that. So we're going to do Grand Park this year. So um, we're not going to do anything. We're looking at Ripken and Thank you for listening to the Michigan Youth Sports Podcast. If you have a guest that you think that we should talk to, reach out to us. Please subscribe and tell your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and your Amazon delivery guy about us. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by CrossFit Fate. Come out and let Tyler get you into shape no matter what age you are. He's a certified trainer and works with our Cannon baseball players for speed and agility. CrossFit Fate is located in Wixom, Michigan. Give him a call at 248-860-2898. CrossFit Fate.